Stand and take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, we'd like to read seven verses responsibly this morning, starting in verse number 10 of Revelation 20, and reading responsibly through verse 21, verse 1 rather, of chapter 21. So we'll read seven verses responsibly, read three verses, verse 11, verse 13, and verse 15 with me, please. And I'll give instruction on verse 1 of chapter 21 in a moment here. That's Revelation chapter 20, verses 10 through 15, and reading responsibly. And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Verse 21, verse 1, excuse me, of chapter 21. Let's read that together. Ready? And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, I pray that you take your eternal word. Speak to our hearts this morning. We'll thank you for it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Appropriate song to sing right before the message. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Revelation 20. Revelation 20. Verse 14 is our text verse. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. I can't hide my heart from God. I try to hide it from you. And I don't apologize for that. But I'm being open this morning. I don't like preaching this message. At least the first half of it. Some of you don't want to hear it. That's okay if you don't. I don't take it personally. Hell. Hell yes or hell no? 72% of Americans polled, and you Google that like I did, and Pew Research will give you the 2014 poll. 72% of Americans polled believe in a literal physical place called heaven. 58% believe in a literal place called hell. Those topping the list of the hell no crowd would be, of course, the atheists. Uh, 3% of atheists supposedly said that they actually believed in hell. Okay. Agnostics, 4%. Jehovah Witnesses, 7% of Jehovah Witnesses said they believed in hell. The next lowest level of people, non-believers, or the hell no crowd would be the Jews at 22% believe that there's a hell, 78% believe there's not. Believing in no hell 
My Bible says, and death and hell were delivered up. Or cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. But living in hell is no more is more ludicrous, or not believing in hell, excuse me, is more ludicrous than not believing in Holland. Holland right now is a country. Someday in not too long near future, it probably won't be a country. Someday all countries will be gone. But hell is real. The latter that being hell is, is so because Jesus Christ said so. You see, to deny hell is to deny Jesus Christ. You're calling him a liar is what you're doing. Bertrand Russell did so, the philosopher, atheist, agnostic. He wanted to believe in a nice Jesus he said, and I quote, there is one very serious defect to the mind, in my mind to Christ's moral character, and that is he believed in hell. I do not feel that any person who is really profoundly humane can believe in everlasting punishment. Translation, Jesus would be a pretty good guy if he wasn't a hellophobe, if he didn't believe in, he didn't have a fear of hell. I'm obviously more moral, more sophisticated than he is. It's rejection of Jesus Christ to deny death, to deny hell. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 9, we'll look at it here in a few moments, Lord willing, verses 43 to 47, the words of the Lord Jesus, that it's better for your eyes to be plucked out, your hand to be cut off, your foot, and I'm paraphrasing, to be cut off than to be, have two hands or two eyes or two feet to be cast into hellfire where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. The morning question is, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Before we can answer those questions, we must ask the question, is there a judgment? But to answer the question, is there a judgment, we have to get to the root of the matter. Is there death? I think so. Maybe the reincarnationist, the Hindu, is right. Maybe we're just deceived. But last time I checked, I think there's death. Genesis 2.17, the Lord said in the Garden of Eden, the days that, that, speaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Chapter 3, they ate of that fruit. They ran and they separated themselves from God. Ezekiel 18, verse 14 says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Romans says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And so we ask the question, is there death? I would give my postulate this morning here that from observation that death is real. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment. You know, I feel like I've been the judgment Already, I've been to Connecticut Motor Vehicles. <laughs> I went there. Somebody called me this week about going to Connecticut Motor Vehicles. I got my license last year or last few months ago. I chronicled it on my cell phone. It took me two hours and 45 minutes. I had six documents. I had my birth certificate. I had my, um, I had my old driver's license. I had my passport. 
I had two things of mail. I wanted to make sure that I could get in there and get judged and get out with a driver's license. The last time I checked, nobody ever gets a license in Connecticut without going to motor vehicles. One day, there's going to be a judgment. You're going to have to go through that judgment if you die. And last time I checked, I think you're going to die. And so the Bible says, so then, Romans 14, verse 12, so then every one of us should give account of himself to God. The Bible says, it's talking to Christians now, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account. Judgment day is coming. Verse Romans 12, or Romans 14, verse 11, reminds us that, so then every knee shall bow. Here in our text, we see the first person that bows. It's found in verse number 10 of Revelation 20. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. For the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The devil will bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confess that he was wrong and will go to hell. The dead will bow their knees. Verse number 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. I guess Ted Turner is still alive. I mean, he made this quote 30 or 40 years ago in front of a mass audience. He loved to taunt Christians and loved to taunt the Lord God Almighty himself. And I paraphrase, but Ted Turner married his anti-American wife there, Jane Fonda, after several other wives. And he said, uh, yeah, I've had a few drinks in my life. I've had a few women in my life. And if Jesus Christ wants to send me to hell for that, so be it. Ted Turner, more smarter than God. After all, he owns some, some television broadcast stations. I asked the question, is there a hell? Now, by the way, I'm going to say one more thing, and I'm getting, I know I'm all in an introduction, I'll get hurried to the message. But hell is not a popular subject. In fact, Bruce Shelley, I don't expect you to know him, but he's from Denver Theological Seminary. He made this observation that about, about the lack of preaching on the biblical theme of hell. He said, quote, it's just too negative. Churches are under extreme pressure to be consumer-oriented. You see, the doctrine of hell is the most in jeopardy doctrine being taught in, our, in, in Christendom today. We want a Christianity, we want a heaven without a hell. We want a Christianity without, we want to be sainted without sin. We're living in a soundbite society, by the way, and this is, I'm driving to the message, I got a soundbite message, by the way. You say, what do you mean by that preacher? Thanks to Twitter, I've never been on Twitter, but I understand they started off with 140 characters, 140 words. I saw a psychologist on television not too long ago talking about the Twitter society. Now we now live in our soundbite society. We're reduced to Twitter doubled, and now there's 280 words. Nobody reads anymore. Nobody has to think anymore. All we've got to do is ask Siri or Google or Alexis. That's all we've got to do. No thought, no mindless, mind-numb robots. Robots know more, computers know more, know more than we do. And we're just sheeple following along. Soundbite society. Well, in soundbites, and I'll give you three because, and I'm not trying to be harsh or mean, we've been here 45 minutes already. 
I want to give you three lowlights of hell. Just three. Turn to Matthew chapter 25, if you would, please, with me, please. Matthew in chapter 25. Jesus is giving a parable. And to stay true to my word, let me just do a soundbite. I'd like to give you the parable, but we don't have time for that. So we look at Matthew 25, and Jesus says he's giving this earthly story with the heavenly application. He says in verse number 30, speaking about the unprofitable servant, and he, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping, weeping and gnashing of teeth. The first soundbite of hell, it's a place of endless torments. Hell's a place of torment. In Luke 16, you need not turn there. Many of you know the story of the rich man Lazarus. Rich man, the beggar died, and that's Lazarus, and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes. The Bible says, being in torments. Don't raise your hand, please. How many here have ever been in torment? I think a lot of hands would probably go up if I asked you to. Some of you have been in torments. But your pain, your torment on this earth is only temporal. It's only for a short season of time. Even the longest of illnesses, even the dreaded C word, only lasts some years usually at the most. We're tormented. The rich man said, I'm tormented in this flame. Hell is the place of torments. It's real. I've often wondered, and this is just Marty Schott's speculation, General Booth, you know, the Salvation Army, now they're clothing stores and they feed a lot of people and that's good, nothing wrong with that. They're into the social gospel. But General Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he said it would to God that every Christian could go to hell for one hour. I wouldn't vote for that. Now, I would vote for, I really thought about it, I said, I think I could do it one minute. I would go to hell for one minute. I think every Christian should go to hell for one minute. Why God didn't broker that? Greg Adams, I must do this quickly, but he was our preacher last Sunday. On Sunday, he preached. On Monday, he got on a plane and flew to Chile. He's, in the last uh, month, he's been in Guatemala, Honduras, Botswana, Africa, South Africa, and now Chile this past week. He works for a place called Colt Firearms, and he sells guns to governments all around the world, of course. And he said to a man, the people that he meets all around the world, they envy and they love America. They wish they could love America. They, by the way, they love our president. And they, they're very thankful. And uh, they wish they, they had a freedom in their country. But they say, you, what you're hearing on the news media, it's not true. America's, as Tommy Appleman said it this way, America, we may be dirty, but we're the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry. You've got to live somewhere else to appreciate America. You've got to go to a third world country to appreciate America. You've got to grow up in socialism or communism. You've got to grow up in, pardon me, Venezuela or 
or South Africa during apartheid, or you got to grow up in a communist country or in a Muslim country to come to America, and nobody's trying to breed the doors down to get to Mexico today, but they're all coming to America. There's a difference. You see, we have a case of Ross attitude, a nonchalant attitude about hell. We've never been there. But hell's a place of endless torments. I said soundbite, so soundbite number two. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 43, in fact, he said five times in the next five verses, he talked about the two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Hell is a place of unquenchable fire. I told you one last time, I don't like preaching this message. You ever been burned? I think we've all been burned one time or another. When I was a five-year-old boy, there, my mom had to iron on, this, on the ironing board, of course, and I, I, she probably told me 20 times, it's hot, don't touch it. And my five-year-old brain, I says, oh, it can't be that hot. And I remember when I flattered my hand, I went real close, I stuck up on it. Really did, no exaggeration. And I just, I got warm, and I just touched it up. Ah! And I burned my little five-year-old hand. I burned it pretty good. I learned never to touch the stove again. Mom wasn't lying to me. Jesus said five times, in the fire that never shall be quenched, in the fire that never shall be quenched, in the fire that never shall be quenched. In Revelation 19, verse number 20, it speaks about the beast that was taken and the false prophet that wrought miracles before him. Which, were, which he had deceived, deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that had worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Now let me just talk to veteran Christians for just a moment here and we'll move forward. I'm confessing to you. Hell's not so hot in 2019. It was hotter in 1999. It was even hotter in 1989. It was real hot in 1741 in America. The Congregationalist Church in Enfield is absolutely ashamed of one of their founding great, greatest pastors they ever had, Jonathan Edwards. They make mockery of the greatest message in American history, sinners in the hands of an angry God, preached on hell. It led to what we know of as the first great awakening in our country, a religious revival where people got saved by the tens of thousands, some estimate 100 plus thousand, 60,000 in New England got gloriously born again by preaching on hell. But they make fun of Jonathan Edwards for preaching a message, or a, a, a message that hell was hot. We're more sophisticated now. We've been enlightened. This is not popular Sunday morning preaching. In fact, this is not proper, proper anytime preaching. There is a hell, and it has unquenchable fire, and it's in a place of endless torment. But thirdly, it's a place of eternal, and this is the worst. It's worse than the unquenchable fire. It's worse than the endless torment. It's a place of eternal separation. Eternal separation. Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, 
in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. You see, some Christians, they willingly read in, some denominations, they read in and say, everlasting destruction. See, they'll be destroyed. Yeah, just like the beast of the false prophet of Revelation 19 and 10, they, they were destroyed for a thousand years in the fires of hell, and then they were resurrected to only go to the lake of fire of Gehenna in chapter 20. You see, Gehenna was that burning refuge pile that burned 24-7, seven days a week, around the clock in the south side of Jerusalem, where all the, all the refuge and the dead animals and the carcasses and, and um, the bodies of, uh, of malefactors and prisoners would be dumped and burned, and it would burn all the time. Hell's a place, it's eternal. Let me quote you a verse here quickly. Psalm 23, 6, I learned the whole psalm as a boy. Can you quote it with me? Surely, how's it, how's it go? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many really believe you're going to live forever in heaven? Hell is, the same Bible that tells us that hell is forever tells us that, or heaven is forever tells us hell is forever. It's eternal, but you say, what's worse than an eternal hell? I'll tell you what's worse than an eternal hell. There's one more thing worse than an eternal hell. And that's eternal separation. No hope. You see, before we were with Christ, we, were, we had no hope. Ephesians 2.12. The unsaved person has no hope. We were on, Tim Butler was on visitation with me yesterday. We went to a certain house. I'll leave it unnamed. Don't ask me after the service. I won't tell you who it was. A visitor happened to come to the door when we were sitting in the living room of a certain house. I was introduced as, the, uh, this is my pastor, and the person said, oh, I don't do church. Well, I, I didn't ask him if he wanted to do church or not church. He just made it very clear that they don't do church. Before I could ever say anything other than hi. No, I'll never go to church. I'll never step foot in church. And I understood why. I, I, I was going to say it, but I didn't say it. You know, I understand that all hypocrites are in church, people like me and people like you. And they wouldn't want to pollute themselves by being in church. They made it very clear within the, they reiterated, oh, I, I know God, but I, I will never step foot in a church anywhere. I didn't say, but I, what I knew in my heart, I says, they don't know God. They hate the brethren. How do they love God? They hate who they've seen, who they, who will they love who they have not seen. The Bible says that's, that's ludicrous. You see, hell's a real place, and there's separation. There's people that don't want God in their life. They curse Jesus Christ their whole life. One day God is going to say, okay, your wish is desired. You're granted no more, no more in pleading. Come now, let us reason together. Let us sins be as scarlet. They shall be white as snow. They shall be as crimson. They shall be as wool. By the way, there are degrees in hell. I just want to insert this. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Pol Pot were certainly suffer greater than the person that never had the opportunity to personally call upon Christ as Savior, but they're still sinners Bible says in Matthew 15, Matthew 10, 15, that Sodom and Gomorrah will be, the judgment of their day will be more tolerable than other cities that even had more sin than they had. Luke 12, 47 and 48, Jesus says that some will be beaten with few stripes, some with many stripes. 
Too much is given, much shall be desired. The story is told of Robert Ingersoll. I've been to Robert Ingersoll's front yard. He was an atheist. He grew up on Lake Seneca, one of the five Finger Lakes. Looking at Jane, Jane grew up fairly close to the Finger Lakes. And uh, he grew up in a little small town, smaller than Bark Hamstead. Real small. I was at the Baptist church there. Mike Patterson preaches there at the Baptist church. From the Baptist church, maybe 20, 30 towns of the whole village. One of those houses, Robert Ingersoll's house. The famous infidel was 100 years ago. He preached his secular humanism, his godlessness, his belief in atheism and mockery of the Bible. And he preached everywhere he went about the, the mockery and the blasphemy of uh, Christians that believe in a literal hell. The story is told of a drunk that came up after him and said, Bob, I sure hope you're right. I'm banking on it that you're true. You're right. No hell. You've got to make a decision whether you're going to believe Bob Ingersoll, the cults, or Jesus Christ. You've got to make a decision. How long halt you between two opinions? There's low lights of hell. But then, let me give you three highlights of heaven First number one, back to Revelation 21, and we could, oh, we could spend a long time here, but we won't. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. There are a lot of new things in heaven. First of all, the first highlight of heaven I think of in, is the highlight of a new body. <laughs> now, you young people... Right now, you don't get it, I promise you. I'm old enough now where I absolutely get this now. I don't want to get it as much as I already got it. I didn't think I'd get it this young, at young 60 years of age, but I've had it for several years now already. And it's only getting worse. It's not getting better. A new body. Now, I don't mean to get funny, but by the way, I'm all for improving yourself. If anybody wants to give me money for cosmetic surgery, I'll take it. If they got a way to stretch your body, make me three inches taller, I'll take it. If I can get all black hair again, I'll take it. I look forward to a new body. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, that uh, we'll get a new tabernacle, that the Lord found us, we will not be naked in heaven, but we will receive a tabernacle that we are uh, clothed upon uh, God's righteousness and holiness. First Corinthians fifteen fifty three says, "For this corruptible must put on incorruption; this mortal must put on immortality." And Philippians three verse twenty says, "For our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body." Hallelujah! I'm looking to be a thirty three year old man again in perfect shape. Amen. Jesus was 33, we believe, when he died. The prime of most, most men in their manhood. He was changed our vile body according to the working whereby he's able to do all things unto himself. There'll be a new body in heaven. I look for that new body. Every day I look for it more. But then not only be a new body, but then I want you to notice something else. And Revelation 21 talks about it, but we're into sound bites and we don't have time to look at the verses. So let me give you number two. The second highlight of heaven is a new home. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many 
Mansions. I always have fun with this because some of you don't like mansions. Some of you just want to, I'm satisfied with just the cottage below. Uh, you know, I got a beautiful house, but I, I always want a nicer house. And some of you say, I didn't get any bids out of that. Every time I do that, I never get nothing. Oh, you're blessed enough. Somebody got mad at me because I drive a Cadillac the other day, a few weeks ago. I drive a $7,400 Cadillac that's two years old now. Looks like a $17,000, $27,000 Cadillac. I drive good. I drive really good. I'd like to drive better. I'd like to live better. You say, you're greedy. Jesus must have known that he said, you know, I could make you a slums or I could make you a palace. I choose to make you a palace. We're going to get a new home in heaven. It's going to be, I think there's going to be gold in that home. Silver, ivory palaces. I love, I love going mansion watching, big house hunting. We'll get a new home. Heaven's a beautiful place. The evangelist Dwight L. Moody and pastor said, we talk about heaven being so far away. It's within speaking distance of those who belong there. But heaven is a prepared place. I'm not boasting. I'm, not, I'm just I'm, I'm bragging on Brother Ray. You know, a lot of this, most of this facade up here, this uh, front, all, all this woodwork here, this oak work, Brother Ray put all this in, installed this in 20 years ago. Ray knows how to build. He's a carpenter. His boss is a Jewish carpenter, Lord Jesus Christ. He's the, if he's the king of kings and lord of lords, he's the carpenter of all carpenters. I think he can build better than Ray Ovid. That's how good I think he can build. I think he'd build better than Donald Trump, as a matter of fact. I think he's the, the, the architect of all architects, the builder of all builders, the engineer of all engineers. I think heaven's going to be beautiful. It's going to be a place of new homes. Yes, I do. New homes, new, 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 uh, new body. But then one last verse, and don't, hey, don't tune me out here. Say, oh, he's almost done. Hang on, hang on. I had just I only had six sound bites. Here's sound bite number six. Bible says in verse number four, and God shall, future tense, wipe away how many tears? Tell me, out class. All tears. All tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more. Heaven, the highlight of heaven is a new life. Everything about heaven is new. There'll be no more of a lot of different things. There'll be no more sorrows, no, no, more, no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. I've given my testimony so many times from this pulpit, I almost get embarrassed about it. I lived in a different era. I lived in a different country. I really did. I grew up in another country from Connecticut. I grew up in a country called Ohio. I grew up in a different time. There's a time warp. Really. I'm not joking. I grew up as a boy in the 1960s. Went to school in the early 1970s. I went to high school, junior high in 71, I guess it was, 70. It was a different world, young people. I promise you. Different country. What we did for fun, we didn't have any of these things. I'm telling you right now, I promise you. We had a television, it was about this big. And it was in a wooden box. 
And it had these funny things on it called, we call them rabbit ears. And it's amazing how you could contort those things and you put aluminum foil along the top of them and you, and you contort those things a certain direction and you got it towards the window and so forth. We live down the country. So we didn't have a lot of entertainment. So you know what our entertainment was? The church down the road was having a revival meeting. I didn't even know what a revival meeting was. I didn't care. We were just getting out of the house to go 11 miles down the road to the Baptist church for a... And I told the story. I'm not joking. When you're an 11-year-old boy, that preacher that preached that day, I mean, he was probably only 70 years old, but he looked like 110 to me. He really did. And I sat there, and he preached a very negative message. He preached on hell, the whole message. I didn't want to go there. The church was packed little country church, about two-thirds of the size of our church, but it was filled both, both rows, I remember very well. Everybody came out to the Friday night revival meeting, and the preacher gave the invitation to me, saying, just as I am. I told the story again, I'm embarrassed. I went forward. That didn't save me. I went back to the preacher's office. That didn't save me. The preacher had said some words and showed me some verses and so forth. That didn't save me. But then he told me I needed to call upon Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And the proverbial light bulb went on, and I realized that I was a sinner on my way to hell. I didn't know a lot of things. I didn't know Jesus was born of a virgin. I didn't know what a virgin was. I didn't know he was God the Son. All that I knew. I didn't know the Trinity. I didn't know, I didn't know any, any books of the Bible. I knew there were Psalms. So I used to call it Palms. And there was a book called Job, but I found out that there was Job, Ecclesiastes I could never even pronounce. And I just realized that day that I needed to call upon Jesus to save me from my sins. And I called upon him. I was scared into heaven. I didn't want to go to hell. Back then we used to preach on it. Billy Graham said, if there were more hell in the pulpit, there'd be less hell in the pews. Jude 22. I told you at the beginning of the message, and I'm almost done. Some of you didn't like this message. You're not going to be honest, but that's the truth. I admit it, I didn't like preaching it. At least the first half. You'd rather hear a message on love. So would I. Some have compassion, Jude 22, making a difference. For God so loved the world, he gave. Number one verse of scripture to be memorized, John 3.16. We love that verse, and as we should. Some of you just want to hear the love of God. 78% hell or heaven, yes. 42% hell, no. I don't want to accept that. You have no right to believe in heaven if you refuse to believe in hell. You have no stamp on heaven. You have no passport to heaven if you don't believe that you're on your way to hell to begin with. You must be born again. You must be saved. Jesus saves. There's a choice to be made. There's a choice to be made in America today. Whether we're going to believe God or Bertrand Russell. Believe God or Robert Ingersoll? Believe God or 
Harvard or Yale? Believe God or academia? Believe Jesus Christ or Mao Zedong? Or an atheist or a communist? Choose you this day. I call on heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. I made a choice as an 11-year-old boy to receive Jesus as my Savior. Confession and I'm done, I promise. I have to force myself to preach on this stuff today. I dread it. I almost didn't put... Uh, I don't like preaching on hell. Some of you don't like to listen to it. Again, I'll cut you, cut you slack. I don't like to preach it. You don't like to hear it. But maybe I need to preach it more. Maybe you need to hear it more. Maybe we need to believe it. Because if we lived like we believed it, we'd be more apt to tell people about saving knowledge in Jesus Christ. He'll save us from a place called hell if we'll call upon him. Heavenly Father, I came just as I am without one plea when that preacher gave the invitation to receive Christ as Savior. Lord, going to church, being a church member, growing up in church has nothing to do with getting to get, going to heaven. In fact, there'll be millions of churchgoers, church attenders, people that grew up in the cradle, in the nursery, who go to church all their life, were catechized, confirmed, christened, and all the rest, but never received Christ as Savior. Lord, it's not in baptism, it's in believing. It's not in our good works, it's in your good work on the cross of Calvary. Salvation is not by our reformation, but by regeneration through you. Lord, have your will and way in our midst. Maybe there's someone today that needs to be saved today. To reject this message and reject salvation is to reject Jesus Christ. There's no sin greater than that. Holy Spirit of God, give unction to those persons, those people that need to be saved today, and we'll thank you for it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 167. 167 as we stand together.